Hey guys, Josh Klein here. Uh, one day contract coming right around the corner, and this episode with Mac from the Mac Attack on WFNZ is uh, absolutely fantastic. It's uh, what they might call a corker, um, but I wanted to let you know that obviously with the coronavirus pandemic, we are recording everything remotely from our homes via the internet, and sometimes the internet can be a bit of a cruel mistress, and uh, we did have a couple of connection issues caused some um, audio difficulties. So I apologize in advance, but um, we thought that the episode was so fantastic that we wanted you to hear it. So um, please ignore those issues and enjoy One Day Contract. Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one-day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Check out some of our network mates. It is what it is. The Roaring Riot Podcast, Not What You Think, The Carolina Line, and The Great British Drafting Show. For more great talk about your favorite team, follow us on Twitter at The Riot Network to stay up to date on all your favorite pods. Subscribe, rate, love us on iTunes. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me, as always, Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is, and has started playing Madden again, Uh-oh. and has officially graduated from embarrassingly terrible to just regularly terrible. Yeah, That's impressive. I, yeah, I think I'm doing pretty good. I, I haven't gotten uh, yelled at by a 13-year-old in, in a couple days, which is pretty exciting. It's mostly, it's just really frustrating because I don't want to be the kind of guy that quits out of games when they go really poorly. So, um, so when I am getting like beaten, like 45 to nothing, and I'm just getting sacked on every play, PJ Walker's throwing interceptions, like he's going out of style. Uh, I, you know, Stan, Steven Weatherly isn't getting to the passer like he should be. Um, uh, I can't, Justin Burris is getting burnt. Like it's like, like on every other play, I, I can't exit out. I got to just play it all the way through. So, um, it's uh, but I'm slowly but surely working my way up to um, amateur level Madden player, which I'm pretty excited about. So you're not getting yelled at by 13 year olds. Are you getting yelled at by 14 year olds now? You know, I tend not to ask people's age when I'm playing them on Madden. I feel like that's frowned upon. You know, ask it when you can't see somebody and you're connecting with them via the Internet, asking their age right off the bat. It paints you with a weird brush like you can't you can't come back from from being like, hey, bud, how old are you? That doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't fly, comes across um, uh, incorrectly. And uh, I'm just trying to get it for my own personal edification to keep my, my records. But, um, but apparently uh, I've been put on some lists because of it. <laughs> Definitely being watched by uh, Big Brother, the government and local enforcement of some sort. That's right. Also with us, as always, Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for The Right Report, and is ready and willing to defend all anti-Christian McCaffrey takes. Yep. I also uh, played last played Madden online when they first introduced the live roster, and I, I made my Panther online debut and had Benny Testaverde in his <laughs> minus 10 foot speed at quarterback when I was used to uh, perhaps using a quarterback from the south um, to, to zip around the field prior to that. Um, and it was not the same and I have not been back because it did not go well, but I am here today to say that this is the best day of the quarantine for Panther fans. It may be a low bar, 
But this, it, but but signing Christian McCaffrey to me is the best day of the quarantine for Panther fans. I mean, it can't get worse, can it? Have you seen what the Panthers have done during the quarantine and leading up to the quarantine? Yes, it can get worse. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, have you seen the Hornets? It can always get worse. Oh, yeah. It can always be more mediocre. <laughs> All the mediocrity. Let's introduce our guest on the one-day contract this week, Chris McLean, host of the Mac Attack on WFNZ, great dancer, and currently fighting rumors that he had a mullet in high school. Mullet! Those are not true, Nikki. Don't believe those. Do not believe those. Just like we should not believe Josh's negativity about the Christian McCaffrey deal. Don't believe either one of those things, all right? <laughs> a man familiar with giving himself his own haircuts, too, I do believe. <laughs> <laughs> my mom gave me my haircuts my whole childhood, which might explain why I didn't have many dates, you know, when I was <laughs> girlfriends. But anyway, my wife refuses to give me a damn haircut during the quarantine. This is getting ugly here under this hat. Getting ugly. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like my my hair. I have I started growing a mustache really just as a joke, and then um, I came out of the bathroom once, and my my wife didn't even react. I just I came out with a mustache, and she was just like, "So uh, thinking about lasagna for dinner." I'm like, "What's happening? You don't even care anymore. Like this is just re- this is just reality. This is where we're living now. Is in Mustacheville. It's a uh, it's it's quite a sight to behold." <laughs> Did you feel like she was not respecting the stash properly in that moment? I feel like it's almost like it almost just looks more like stubble than it does like mustache. Like you got to get real close. Like I, if I get really close to the Skype camera, like <gasps> you can see that it's it's a mustache, but it's not. Um, this is why we don't do a video podcast. Just off during the quarantine. <laughs> She's like, she just thought you had some cookie crumbs stuck up there or something. <laughs> she was like, were you eating Oreos in the bathroom again? <laughs> Wipe your face. Good Lord. Oreos, top three. Uh, Mount Rushmore of bathroom cookies to eat, by the way. <laughs> bathroom cookies? <laughs> what? What? Are, what are... <laughs> you guys don't eat cookies in the bathroom? <laughs> that could be a sanitation issue, man. I got to tell you right now. There could be, bring some Purell after you do that or something. I, I'm concerned about the inclusion of the cream in the bathroom cookie, if we're being honest. <laughs> Better, you don't want like a fudge stripe. That's not that's the, that's the opposite of what kind of cookie you want in there. Do you take the cookies into the bathroom with you or do the cookies like they already have a place in the bathroom? Well, they don't like the grow in the bathroom, if that's what you're asking. I mean, do you like go in the bathroom and you're like, oh, the box of cookies are under the sink? They're in the cookie bathroom cabinet, of course. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you go to the clients, open the medicine cabinet, and there's thin mints for days. Yeah. <laughs> it's less medicine and more of like, you know, Papa's medicine, AKA cookies. <laughs> Is there more, are there more cookies in your bathroom or toilet paper? Oh boy. Um, uh, we keep most of our toilet paper in the guest room. So, um, so we keep just a couple rolls on hand, but sometimes you do need to clean up the excess cookies. So <laughs> they go hand in hand. I can't wait to visit your house the next time we're out of lockdown to go on a cookie hunt in your bathroom. Next, next April. Come on over. <laughs> <laughs> See you. See you next spring. So we always start the show with Nikki's super important question. So during this time of uh, lockdown and navigating this world, what has been the thing 
that you've missed the most so far? Quiet time. Am I allowed to say that? Or as a, as a father, do I have to pretend like I cherish every second with my four-year-old, even as he punches me in the in the backside repeatedly for stretches of the day? <laughs> oh, I love spending time with them, but but it would be nice not to have to go through the entire day carrying on a conversation with a four-year-old. <laughs> and and to be honest with you, he's got better points about Christian McCaffrey than than a lot of people I see on social media. So maybe I should maybe I should just stop complaining. <laughs> I'm so I am so glad Colin is going to be you know bitter parent stuck with the kids because I'm fully prepared to let that rip right now. You know what I mean? I'm locked in a room; they can't even hear me. I'm good to go. I was going to say Nikki school school for the kids is, is up there on my list <laughs> along with. Any damn sporting event that I haven't already seen the game, or it's not a virtual video game. So that'd be nice too, you know. I the virtual video game, like the i racing, or like the like the like the NBA two K Sims that people are watching and betting on. Yeah, like, I tried, yeah. but I just can't. I can't I've watched this crap. That's I'm mad at myself for watching it. But there, we don't have anything else, man. Are you freaking kidding me? They all. I need the whole 2015 damn Panther season in succession on NFL Network. Instead, I get Super Bowl 50 on NFL Network last week. For God's sake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I tried. I tried to use some of this time to watch some wildlife streams with the family. Thought it would be a good thing to do. You know, so, hey, you can see this little this this bald eagle feeding her eaglets, and and then we watched one of the eaglets attempt to, to murder one of the other eaglets, <laughs> causing my entire family to have the aghast, including my wife. The what have you done? What have you done, spouse? Look on her face. Fortunately, after three minutes of being concussed severely, the, the third guy did recover and, and was able to rejoin the feeding. But it was not a pretty sight. And I would be careful watching, you know, lovely little wildlife streams uh, with your family this time. Yeah. <laughs> Josh, what uh, about you? I mean, I don't have any kids, so. Um, don't it's brag. It's <laughs> I'm playing Madden. I created myself in Madden, and I had 1,700 yards from scrimmage as a rookie. Shut up! Shut up. <laughs> Nobody's got time for that, Josh. <laughs> your life must be so empty, Josh. Serious. I can't imagine what you do with your time. Can't imagine. <laughs> I mostly just sit and pine uh, for uh, your mustache. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just and just wait for the days. When I can, good. when I can take my dog to a brewery, that's really my whole life. Just take my dog to breweries, um, sleeping late. I love sleeping late, and also um, sometimes I just go to bed early just for just for the just for the f of it, just for funsies. Now that your next Netflix queue is cleared out and you've watched everything you want to watch, and God, you seem so well rested too, it's, it's, it's I'm just I'm so happy for you. I'm just like I'm constantly asking people what is there to watch. Like I'm just uh, uh, I'm so I'm like out of stuff. Like I'm just uh, is Golden Girls good? I don't know. I'm, I'm... <laughs> I gotta I watch more tape on this Phil Snow defense. That's what I'm. <laughs> I'm grinding the tape. I'm grinding, grinding the tape. <laughs> I didn't realize that I would uh, cause uh, Colin to get fired up so early in this show with a with a question like this. 
Well, the bragging from Josh repeatedly was getting a bit obnoxious. I feel like I was speaking for a lot of us fatherly types uh, in that moment. <laughs> Not accepting bitter quarantine parents, Josh. All right. Helen, what, what's going to piss us off more? That attitude that we got in our jealousy towards his uh, tranquility? Or is it going to be the Christian McCaffrey tanks? <laughs> I'm just I'm just excited about about getting mad about a football contract for a while. <laughs> That's the thing. I, I so embrace I'm embracing today like I'm Stephen A. I so embrace the fact that we can throw ourselves into this world that really is not that important. You know what I mean? And treat it like it's important. So bring it on. Bring the McCaffrey negativity on Josh, if you must. No, I, I agree with you, Mac. And before we start arguing with each other, I think that, that that's something that is pretty important to think about. Like we, we have the, a little bit of a luxury to be able to like kind of lose ourselves in in sports for at least a few hours a day um, where you could just kind of be like, man, you know, I, I mean, if they can keep this, uh, uh, if they can keep that cap in under nine million for 2024, this might be OK, as opposed to like. Well, like the peak date is coming in June, right? And it's not, is it April? Like, ah, yeah. uh, well, what's, what's happening here? <laughs> Getting mad at people for not wearing masks at Harris, Te- at Harris Teeter? It's ridiculous. <laughs> as long as I get my stimulus check before he starts cashing his checks, I have no problem with the Christian McCaffrey <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, though, that stimulus, we like our kids when that stimulus check comes up, Colin. You know what I mean? Like, extra grants, not two kids. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about this contract. Mac, we're going to start with you on this CMC contract. So what are your initial thoughts and reactions to this deal? I really like it. And I like, and listen, I get the, the opposition. Like, and I know Colin gets the opposition too. Like, and listen, I have said before many a times, I'm sure, man, don't you watch what you pay those running backs. But to me, I think Chris McCaffrey's different. And I know people, you know, that just blanket rule, don't pay running backs, roll their eyes at that. But I truly believe his impact on the run game, on the pass game, I think does make him different. I also think you look at, our current situation as it sets up. Like when you get to 2022, the Panthers have only three other guys under contract, Bridgewater, Boston, and Thompson, and and the rookies. And then, you know, in addition to the rookies from last year. So to me, they don't have many commitments once you get to 2022. And that's when the big new money for McCaffrey, you know, will, will kind of really start to sink in. So I think he's just a building block of the rebuild. There are other moves I'm sure we can get into, that that maybe I don't necessarily feel the same about, but I like the way Colin put it, which is which is weird because we're actually agreeing and we never agreed in all those years on the radio on WFNC. But like I like what he said. Like, listen, it's been a rough offseason, been a rough quarantine for Panther fans. This is one I I was glad to hear on the radio some Panther fans kind of celebrating because like I think this I think this is good unless of course he gets hurt. But I don't know if you can you know sign deals or not sign deals out of fear. You know. Colin, Colin, what else you got for the for the the CMC positive party? Well, I, I appreciate Max speaking for me and saying that I get the negativity, but the truth be told, I don't actually get the negativity oh, yeah. towards this okay, deal. Then let it, then this, let it <laughs> this guy had twenty three hundred yards last season. I, I'm seeing stuff about him not winning. Uh, I, I'm I'm just confused about everything with this. This guy had nineteen touchdowns. Only three people have ever scored more points in a season than he did last year. The team pays him. He's 23 years old. 
He's the best player on the roster. It's it's not an, a crazy number. I, I'm not sure what I'm missing here. Like anywhere else, it's like team signs 24-year-old best player of the team to reasonable deal. What's what's the What's the to-do here? I really don't understand the to-do at this one. This this makes sense to me. And on field, it makes sense to me. Everything, we, we, we're trying to figure out what this Matt Rule era is going to look like, what this Joe Brady offense is going to look like. But one thing we know they're going to want to do is tempo. And that means being able to keep one running back on the field. That is Christian McCaffrey. You don't get to play the shell game with, well, we got this guy, and he's 5'7", and he, but, but he catches the ball and he scores. No, you have one guy, you're able to go. And now I look at this offense, and as Matt Rule is trying to build this team, I look at quarterback and running back and feel that the cornerstones of this offense are in place going forward for the Matt Rule era. And to me, that's valuable. That's time that now they get a focus on the wide receiver. They get a focus on the offensive line because quarterback's the number one position. And I think having a dynamic non-quarterback is the number two thing that you want out of your offense. And the Panthers now have that for the foreseeable future in the Matt Rule era. And I think that's a good thing particularly at the combined price of Teddy Bridgewater and, and Christian McCaffrey being approximately what you would pay a franchise quarterback. But at some point, you're probably going to have to pay a franchise quarterback, right? So the here's my problem. Let me just give, let me give multiple caveats before I'm going to say what I'm going to say. The first caveat, Christian McCaffrey, in my mind, is the best running back in the NFL. And you can argue that he's more than running back. He's, he's, Better than a he's 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 better than everybody else in the league. He gives you more than it than a running back does, which I agree with. I I do agree with. I I think that the way that he is as a pass catcher, uh, as a route runner, as a third down option for your quarterback, uh, is absolutely fantastic. And in my mind, this makes much more sense off the field than it does on the field. Off the field, you just had the worst off season in not just Panthers history. But maybe in the history of, of any team ever, I mean, you just cut ties with your, uh, with your franchise quarterback, your franchise, the, the face of the defense, and it retired suddenly. You, you cut Greg Olson. You, you make this weird tr- Trey Turner trade for a 30-year-old left tackle. The, the coach comes out and says he's excited to play with Cam Newton, and then you – cut ties with Newton a couple weeks later and the, the fan base really revolts. So they needed a win and you did get a win when you come out and you, you re-sign the face of the franchise because make no mistake since last season, he's been the face of the franchise and you need a guy in the locker room. You need somebody that can kind of guide you through if they are going to be bad next year, if they're going to go five and four and 12, six and 10, three and 13, whatever you think they're going to do, you need somebody to come out to be the one that reporters all quote, and say, well, you know, we tried our best, but we're going to come out, we're going to learn from it, we're going to get back in there and watch the tape on Tuesday, we're going to go out and and play hard next week. Now, all that being said, I think that it's hard in today's day and age to pay your running back that much money because you can get get 60% of the workload that that you get from Christian McCaffrey for a much lower price. And in today's NFL... It's not great to have your running back be your best pass catcher. It's not ideal to have your running back be your best route runner. Your running back shouldn't be getting 100 targets every game. You should be throwing the ball downfield. You should be throwing it to Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, to Curtis Samuel. When you're when you're 
offense is built around that running back, which whether or not they want to admit it, when you pay a guy like that, the offense needs to run in and around Christian McCaffrey. When that is how you're running your offense, that I think can just lead to some stumbles. Now, again, the way the contract is going to be, uh, is going to come together. I may be regretting this in two days when it comes out that he has a huge cap hit in 2021 and then it all falls off in 2023. So I, I just, for me, my initial reaction was, Oh man, I love Chris McCaffrey, but that's, that's a lot of money to pay a running back. Okay. So, but the contention is you can just find 60% of Christian McCaffrey anywhere. You can find a guy that gets you 600 yards rushing and 600 yards receiving because that's 60% of a thousand of each. Yeah. They just signed one. Here's 24 million in San Diego or Los Angeles. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who is that? Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler. I'm going to tell you what he gave you. Okay. That's what he gives you. 600 and 600. Uh, He had 557 yards rushing and 993 receiving. Okay. Last season. Mm-hmm. Versus Christian McCaffrey. But Christian McCaffrey is a guy that Marshall Falk himself is saying, That's- this guy's like me. You're talking about a Hall of Fame type talent, right? Like, yes. I don't think. An engine that like- ran the greatest show on turf. Yeah. And and they still throw their receivers. I think they'll throw. I, I honestly think McCaffrey's touches will go down. But the efficiency of his touches will go up in the Brady offense. I think they'll find a way to spread it around more. Wide receivers get involved more. Hopefully, Ian Thomas. I still think he's got a lot of potential. And I think Brady will find ways to get these other guys in space. I think McCaffrey will occupy a lot of guys as well, you know, that will open things up for some of these other guys. So I think McCaffrey, not as many touches, but I think he will. I think there'll be bigger plays. I think there'll be more efficiency in those touches. That's the way. And I, and I just. Like, I'm dying to see what Joe Brady does with Christian McCaffrey moving forward. And that's what I don't get from Panther fans, that are you not dying to see that? And when you are paying your quarterback a lot less than what those big franchise guys are, doesn't it kind of offset? And and, and, it, and then if you decide to try to draft one here, and you do, and I know you got to hit it, and it's only 50% in the first round. But if you are lucky enough to hit on a quarterback, and then it's an $8 million cap hit or something moving forward in two or three years for your starting quarterback, that could really be gold. And the Chiefs, by the way, won the Super Bowl with Sammy Watkins as a $17 million cap hit. Like, I feel like McCaffrey's cap situation doesn't have the damn us to not being able to succeed personally. And it's funny that you bring up Sammy Watkins because how many times have we here in Panther Nation been part of the discussion about, hey, pay Sammy Watkins $14 million to come to be part of the Carolina Panthers, and now you're paying Christian McCaffrey who brings you how much more than Sammy Watkins? $2 million more per year, and people have a problem with it. Some of the same people that were saying they have no problem with paying Sammy Watkins $14 million have a problem paying CMC $16 million. Yeah. It, it, to me, it, it, to me it doesn't, that, does, that math just doesn't work from a cap standpoint. In, in the history of the NFL, you know, he just had 2,300 yards last season from, from scrimmage, Christian McCaffrey did. In the history of the NFL, two guys have, done, have been over 2,200 yards twice for a season. That's Marshall Falk and LaDainian Tomlinson. If we think that Joe Brady is going to be better than Mike Shula, if we think Joe Brady is going to be better than Norv Turner at, at using Christian McCaffrey, where if, if the only place that number can go is to the all-time record, topping Chris Johnson's 2,500-yard season. That's where, that's where it goes. So, I, I mean, I think his touches could go down, but you would see his numbers go up, which is exactly what you saw during the peak greatest show on turf years with Marshall Falk. His usage goes down. 
his his numbers go up and his efficiency goes up. That's where this uh, team's headed. That's where this offense is headed to me. Look at it. Chris Johnson pieces. Chris Johnson had the most yards from scrimmage in the NFL in a single season. That team went eight and eight. Chris McCaffrey had the best okay. possible okay. year Let's that he possibly this. could Let's last do year. This one. Let's do this one. Let's do this one. This is okay. No, no, I'm, I'm excited. No, I just want to know who the who the offensive non quarterbacks are that can get paid in this league. I just want to know. Just start at the top. Tell me who the non quarterbacks in this league that can get paid veteran contracts are. I just want to know because because the name the consensus number one name year in and year out is Julio Jones, right? No, who has a problem with Julio Jones getting paid $22 million a year? Julio Jones has two and five in his last seven seasons. Uh, under or two, two of his seasons have been over 500. Two out of his last seven. No one has a beef with Julio Jones. No one says he's a loser and you can't win with him. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's just a running back thing. And I think there are exceptions to every rule. Like, I get people claiming analytics against running backs and stuff. But also, if you're going to look at this a little deeper, can't you, like, look at it and realize, okay, not every running back has to be the same. Most of them, maybe you can put in that area of in the modern game, not paying them. But I feel like you can look at McCaffrey like a weapon. And Collins, right, all these receivers get money. Like how Brandon Cooks is $16 million a year on average. Like who's more of an impact on game? It's just, I just don't see why just because he's a running back, people can't get past it and maybe look deeper and start to compare him like Collins doing other weapons and, and, and what you're really going to get in him. That's, that's what I, plus the cap is getting ready to go up. Hopefully if we get rid of the mess that's going on in this country and a new TV deal comes by, they're expecting the cap to go up $40 million. That's 20%. So if you do percentage of cap, like, and, and you, it, it, w- it would be the same percentage as under the current cap, like $12.8 million a year or something like that. Like, it's not – like, people forget over $60 million. If that cap goes up as expected for 2021, that cap percentage hit. It's not going to be what $16 million would have been the last couple of years. Even if you assume that the cap doesn't go up, which it, it will, even if you don't, it will be lower than the cap hit was for three of the four seasons where the Panthers are paying – D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart. And we can discuss whether or not people would rather have Christian McCaffrey or those two again. You know, another thing happened too with the running back discussion. And I, and I think it's, it it was that there's a dearth, there's been a dearth of running back, good running backs. I mean, you look back in the early two thousands and you had way more guys getting drafted. And then recently we've had guys getting drafted, but there was a really a gap from like 2008 to 2012, because you go back before you had Steven Jackson, of course, out of Oregon State, Frank Gore, MJD, D'Angelo, Adrian Peterson, and Marshawn Lynch, all from 04 to 07. Then you look from 08 to 012, it's Shady McCoy, Chris Johnson, Matt Forte, Jamal Charles, DeMarco Murray, Jonathan Stewart, Mark Ingram, Darren McFadden, and Ray Rice. Like that's those that's the best of the running backs from a five year stretch. And then since then, you've got Lev Bell, Saquon, CMC, Zeke, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara. Like the, the position was in a bad place. And I think people are using this to analyze the fact that this was a down position group for several years. So let me ask you guys a question. Is rule sending a message with this? I, I think CMC is a tone setter. In terms of everything you hear about him in the locker room, showing up every day, working hard, I think he falls in that Sam Mills, Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis type model of your best player being one of your hardest workers. And that's a good model to have in the locker room. 
Yeah. I also that, think too, something interesting that Jordan Rodriguez wrote, you know, in the athletic, which was the, she was talking to insiders around, or people around the league that were saying, you know, if they didn't sign Christian McCaffrey, there was starting to be word around the league that this team's not taking care of guys, right? Guys that put their blood, sweat, and tears in produce. They're not going to take care of you. And that could impact ability to get free agents. I don't know how y'all feel about that, but I just think at some point they've got to like, hey, we're building around this guy. And at this point, we only had Shaq Thompson, and that's a deal that that one I really didn't get. But this one to me, like Shaq Thompson is getting $13.5 million versus McCaffrey $16 million. Who has ever thought Shaq Thompson comes close to impacting the football game like Christian McCaffrey? Like I just don't understand. And I know some people say, well, I don't like both contracts. But to me, this one is so much better than that one. And I'm sorry to demean Shaq and drag him into this. But I just, you know what I mean? I just, it just seems kind of weird that this McCaffrey thing is the hill that some Panther fans are, are dying on right now. You know? And it really is because I think it's because of this running back label where we went through the stretch where yeah. guys couldn't catch the ball. They were just running between the tackles. I mean, that's not what great running backs were in the in the 80s. Great running backs yeah. in the 80s were catching balls out of the backfield, too. And then we got to this point where it was just these guys weren't catching. And so the, the value got diminished. I, I look at him as a cornerstone offensive piece. Not every quarterback. I mean, obviously, quarterback's the easiest position to be a cornerstone in terms of your ability to affect it. But. Not all quarterbacks are cornerstones, not all wide receivers, and not all running backs are, but he is one of the few that is. And, he, and he's in, the, you said it, Josh, to start. You say you think he's the best running back in the game. Why would you not pay the best player to position at the age 24? I, I just feel like we're overthinking this some, in some ways. My, I guess maybe I am because my, my biggest question is not necessarily whether, I guess I'm looking at it from like a larger, taking a couple steps back from it because, uh, yes, I agree that. Chris McCaffrey is one of the few running backs in the league that can get full value from this contract. Um, but when you look at what David Tepper has said that he wants this team to be, which is like analytics forward, long-term sustained excellence, we'll, we're not going to do any sort of mediocrity. Uh, then we're going to have, um, and, and we're going to be one of the most forward thinking NFL to any, t- any sort of advantage that we can get. And when you think about what kind of advantages you can get, a lot of that is manipulating the salary cap, is uh, is getting a lot of is positional value, things like that, and it just doesn't seem to match up with this deal. And and again, I do not want to come out. I do not want people tweeting at me that are like, Josh, why you hate Chris McCaffrey? I do not hate Chris McCaffrey. I think Chris McCaffrey is a great running back, and I hope that why do Joe you Brady- insist on calling him a running back? Why do you insist on instead of like a weapon? Because I feel yeah, like it, I feel like the running back is a, an important part of the crux of your argument. And if you view him as a weapon, then it, it doesn't work. Sure. Well, fine. I think he's a great weapon. But no, but I, but I think it matters, though. I, I mean, because he's not Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram is a good running back. That was a veteran running back that got a second contract for a good, smart, forward-thinking organization. If he's gonna, if Joe Brady is gonna line Christian McCaffrey up out wide and run him on twelve yard outs and digs and and posts a hundred percent of the snaps, then that's gonna be a different story. But I still think he's gonna be back there in the eye formation every now and then, taking tosses and cracks. Yeah, he's, and but he's gonna like, be, a, but he's a weapon though. I'm saying that the the my my point is your entire argument is about the valuation of running back, and if you remove that label from him. And you start looking at his production on the field, it falls apart. 
Why why did the team go five and eleven last year? Quarterback play? Bad defense? Defense defense and Kyle Allen falling apart. Like why is I I don't get why and there are smart football people too. Like Jeff Schwartz is on Twitter, like blaming Christian McCaffrey for eleven losses. And like we won five of the first six games Kyle Allen started, and McCaffrey was a legit MVP candidate at that point. Like we don't win those five games. Yeah, I, I, although I'm I guess with you. maybe I'm we've with been better you, off just losing all the game. That's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't I, get it I, either, I, man. And we're just going to make Josh agree with us or not end in this conversation. <laughs> I got, I, I'm not you got I'm it. I, I, I have, look, I had a little time today. Buster may have gone to Grandma and Grandpa's house today. I got some notes. I'm not. I'm not even done. We have oh, he's got a yellow legal oh, pad. Give us the notes. What else no. you got? He hasn't gone to page two yet. You're in trouble, Klein. He hasn't gone to page two. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I want to do a little exercise. I think. I think this is a good group to do it with. I'm just curious if you were to go through the offensive First players. First of all, this is not a good group to do exercise with. I just it's, want it's that to be clear. And, it's a pen and pad exercise. No, it's a pen and pad exercise. That's why it's oh, good for us. Oh, okay. I was worried. I was worried for a second. No, I'm just like if if you were to get a call from a GM, you know, and said, "Hey, we will trade you straight up for Christian McCaffrey," and you know, would you would you would you take it? Would you think about? Because I think the list of quarterbacks alone is actually much shorter than you would realize. I think Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and maybe, and I'm including this, trying to be trying to be fair and not a biased CMC homer, Zach. And I include. I said that there's an older class, of course, of Matt Ryan, Big Ben, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and included Cam. But in terms of young quarterbacks, it's a pretty short list that you would take the call and say, yeah, we'll flip CMC for it. Wide receiver, similarly short. Running back, similarly short. I think if we do this, you end up with him being, at worst, the 15th best offensive player in the league, and you're paying $16 million for him. I just don't see the gripe in this one. I, I, hey, I, I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna come to an agreement on this. Um, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, you could be wrong. I don't have a problem with you being wrong on this one. Absolutely. That, that, I hope that I am wrong. Honestly, I, I think that the 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 other thing that we're we're really going on the crux of this is that Joe Brady is going to use Christian McCaffrey in such a spectacular way too. Hold that's a, no, I'm not. I'm not playing that game. This is. The, I'm, not, I'm sorry. We we these guys have been hired as an offensive coordinator. We have to assume there's going to use them. If we're going to say, well, this guy's going to be a crap offensive coordinator, then no, they no, shouldn't no, sign I, any contract. Nobody's no, saying, saying that he's going to be a crap offensive coordinator. No, but if this idea that Joe Brady is, is somehow should be in play, because what happens is if you say, all right, we're going to play it smart, we're going to figure out if Joe Brady can use him well or not, and then you end up a hold up hold out situation. You know, like the Steelers ended up with Le'Veon Bell. The Steelers want to pay him more. Then the, the Panthers paid Christian McCaffrey. He didn't take it. And they went from a playoff team that was right there at the edge of the Super Bowl to outside the playoffs looking in with a running back that everybody liked, who everyone said was about, mm, I don't know, 60% of Le'Veon Bell carrying the load. They turned from a Super Bowl contender to a sub-500 team. And that's the, that's, that's the risk you run if you try and play this out with Christian McCaffrey. You do end up in a holdout situation. You do end up, as Jordan was talking about, where – people wonder if this organization takes care of people. I mean, yeah, that's again, the, the off-the-field the off reasons make a ton of sense. I get it. I'm, I, I and haven't I'm, made one case why the on-the-field doesn't make sense, though, other than he's a running back. I think I have. 
Baseball. Okay, well then, what's the case? What's the case? I'm just asking. What's the case? Because when you when you dedicate when you allocate that much capital to your running back, whether or not I'm sorry, I I understand he's a weapon and not a running no, back. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, you can call. Him, you can keep trying to put him in that box. <laughs> yeah, of of course, I got to put him in a box. Uh, you shouldn't be. He should not be the center. It shouldn't be the centerpiece okay. of the offense. You can get you can get that kind of production from somebody else, and you can al- allocate that money. So you say they had bad quarterback play and bad defense and a bad offense. You can allocate those resources to improving the defense, improving the offensive line, and improving the quarterback. So, so when the Steelers had a situation with Le'Veon Bell, they didn't want to sign him for a big contract, right? They did not want to because he was not going to be worth it. And when when Zeke Elliott went to the, the Cowboys, they said, no, you're not worth it. And when Saquon Barkley goes, he's not going to be worth it. And when we look at the Saints in our own division, do you hope that they keep Alvin Kamara or do you hope that they let Alvin Kamara go? No, listen, a lot of teams think these guys are worth it, but they don't win the Super Bowl. The teams that win the thirty-one Bowl, teams that have won the Super, the Super Bowl. Baloney. This is such a baloney argument. It's such a it is. I you hey, don't win this wait, wait a minute. Are you saying good running so Marshall Falk didn't win the Super Bowl? How how many years ago was that? Twenty years ago? It's a completely different game now. Is it? Is well, here's it? my to go back to the weapon thing, like the Chiefs paid their top three paid weapons $46 million total against the cap, right? Tyreek Hill was 18, Hill or uh, Watkins, like we talked about, was 17, and Kelsey was 11. So if you can do that, now granted, they had the benefit of Mahomes balling like that on a rookie deal. And I think ideally at some point we have to strike gold on, on a quarterback that can ball on a rookie deal. But like, if you pay – like, think of it that way. What's DJ Moore going to get? And can we pay three weapons? And, by the way, the cap, again, is going to go up to where percentage of cap-wise, you can probably pay your three weapons $55 million if you have a quarterback on a cap-friendly deal. I just – again, I kind of go with Colin on weapons. Why, if it's two wide receivers and a tight end, is it viewed differently than running back? And, and Derrick Henry, to me, is the type of running back that you don't give – the 15, 16 million dollar deal to. That's a guy that is tremendous, but doesn't only helps you so many ways. He's also a guy too that just invites the beating. Christian McCaffrey has this way, like Barry Sanders used to, and I know that people are gonna freak out. Oh my gosh, comparing Barry Sanders, but like he has a way of not knock on wood, I don't want to jinx him, of not taking big hits. He also does, they're gonna get him out in space, I think even more to where a lot of his hits he takes are out in space and they're not aligned. Whereas Derrick Henry, guy like that, everybody knows he's taking a pounding every time he gets the football. So to me, Henry's the type of great back that you don't give this deal to. McCaffrey is this new age weapon that I think you can feel good about giving the deal to. And, and Mac, your point about the total package to me is a, is a great point. I mean, with the Cowboys, you had Dak and you got Amari Cooper. They still paid. They still paid Zeke. The Steelers had Ben and Antonio Brown. They're still looking to pay Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley in L.A. They had Goff and they had Aaron Donald. There was other guys that you could have paid at more valuable positions, and they still were trying or did take care of the running back. Colin, did you hear the examples that you just used? They gave a big money deal to Ezekiel Elliott, so now they can't. They don't have enough money to pay Dak Prescott, so they had to franchise tag him. They didn't sure. pay that money to uh, to Le'Veon Bell. And Todd Gurley, they paid was a huge albatross of a contract. Okay, those are three examples that you just used. Okay, um, for one, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell, they offered him a deal. He didn't accept their deal. 
They, and again, just as the point I just made, they were a better team when he was on the field. He held out a year. They replaced him with a guy in James Conner that everyone liked. Gosh, he's, he's so great. He's 60% of everything Le'Veon Bell brings you, and they weren't a playoff team. So, I'm and Todd Gurley, look, Todd Gurley's arthritic knee is obviously a major player in all of this. And so of to, pretend, to pretend that it's not, I mean, Christian McCaffrey doesn't have an arthritic knee. So, that that became a huge part of the piece. And Todd Gurley absolutely was a difference-making running back before he had the arthritic knee, and even still with the arthritic knee, just not as not as effectively or not as often. Well, like politics, are, are the Steel, I feel like are, are we're all going to disagree. Are the, Steelers a smart, are the Steelers a smart organization or are the Steelers a bad organization? Are the Ravens, who paid Mark Ingram, a 30-year-old running back, $8-plus million, are they a good organization or are they a bad organization? See, this is the problem. Everybody wants to make these examples out of, like, good teams become bad organizations because they don't win the Super Bowl in a given year. It's like, oh, they didn't win the Super Bowl. Well, would you? do you not want to be the Ravens? Do we not want to be the Steelers? Is not, that not what been, people have been talking around these parts for a decade? These wow. are decisions these same teams make. You you just had Colin say around these parts. <laughs> <laughs> See, Nikki, this is what it, this is what it sounds like in my house with people arguing constantly in the quarantine. Kids yelling at each other, adults yelling at kids. This is exactly I'm telling you. You think your house is just, your place is dysfunctional? This is what we got going on 24 seven right now. I mean, let's let let's look at the let's look at the wide receivers that get paid in this league. You know, maybe maybe if we just you just didn't pay anybody, maybe then that would be the super secret, and then you'd be super smart, like how the the Seahawks were so much smarter because Russell Wilson's contract came up a year after Cam's, and they had a rookie quarterback for one extra year, and that made him smarter than the Panthers. Of course, they then paid Russell Wilson because fuck, it's Russell Wilson. Oh, Not there's like one out of two. Christian one McCaffrey. out of two. Yeah, one out of I mean, two. I'm just saying, one out of two curses in there. Top paid court or top paid wide receivers based on average: Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Michael Thomas, AJ Green, Tyreek Hill, Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks, Nuke Hopkins, Andrew Thielen, all making more than than Christian McCaffrey. Tell me how many Super Bowls those guys racked up. So nobody should get paid. That's it. We've solved it, guys. No one, no one gets paid, and you just. You just everyone's on rookie deals, and then everyone had everyone wins the Super Bowl every year too. Guys, it's perfect. Did we transition to the to the owners meeting, the owners call? (laughs) Nobody gets paid. I've heard these. I've heard this quote before. Well, well, that's that's what we're advocating for here because the guys that get paid don't win, so you shouldn't pay anybody because clearly the running back and the wide receiver when you pay them they don't they don't work out. And in fact, you know, I think about all the guy, all the money was spent on quarter, veteran quarterbacks last year just to have Patrick Mahomes on a rookie deal. Wow, what a waste by the Saints! What a waste by the Patriots! God, it's just, it's just everybody should just be on rookie deals, and then we'll all win. Great. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, Kids and rainbows. Hold on. Kids and rainbows. Everybody. The best wide res- or best running back in the NFL, or you could pay the best running First back in the NFL. Hug. Vir- virtual germ-free hug right now, everybody. All right. All right. Everybody hug. Everybody hug. We're all still friends. Of course right. we're still friends. I just don't understand. I still don't understand what the case against this young man is. We just disagree. Colin knows that, that you guys are still friends. You just don't know why his friend Josh is so wrong. That's, you know what I mean? That's all. <laughs> Look, I'm not, to quote, to quote Below Deck, which is a great show, I'm not mad because you disagree with me. I'm mad because you're on the wrong side of the argument. Okay? <laughs> <laughs>
now it comes out what you've been doing all all quarantine long. <laughs> I gotta write that one down. That's a good. <laughs> Did you say below deck? Like oh, a yeah. Bravo show? Oh, he said below oh, deck. Yeah. Oh yeah. Look, I could go deep on that. That's fine. That's okay. Look, that's that's after the four year old goes to bed. That's that's <laughs> next. That's that's our next episode. We'll deep dive into below deck. But it's a great so, quote. I'm, why, I'm not why mad doesn't the Chiefs do? I'm mad because you're on the wrong side of the argument. <laughs> That's why great. Why the Chiefs do have more uh, responsibilities? This Boysen is getting screwed. <laughs> Boysen? Boysen. Damn it. Oh, I almost had that. Not the capital of Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> how, do how do y'all think that goes if I use that on my wife, by the way, that, that line? Do you think that'll go well or you think I'm in trouble? You think I just ought to save that for sports arguments? <laughs> another, another great one. It's not that nothing's been done. It's just that you're focusing on the things that have not been done. <laughs> <laughs> one of our favorite things to talk about, of course, is the plan. So what is the plan now? I feel like we're seeing what this plan is. I really feel like Teddy Bridgewater in, in five years, maybe they'll talk about this. I think he, I think he was the one guy that kind of changed the trajectory. And I'll keep saying this. I think he, I think he did. They don't feel like they need to, to swoon down into Trevor Lawrence land in order to, to get a quarterback for the future. I think that, that we're going to see this team take a dip and, but I, I think this is a six, seven win team. I think that's their aspirations for this year. I think they're very much like Miami. I don't see tanking being a part of the vernacular around here. This team, this team is going to hit its bottom this this off season, and I think they're looking to climb up after that. Uh, the, yeah, this, go ahead, Matt. Oh, my bad, my bad. I the, the one thing that does concern me a little bit is the you know reports you hear of the you know what I mean, like guys being on different pages over there, and it, it, from what I've heard, it clearly is Marty is the one that kind of wanted to push forward more. Where if you hear what David Tepper said, it sounds like maybe his idea was to really tear it down, like Colin was talking about, start over. We'll see how it ends up going. A little unsure about that. I also, like, is Marty, is this literally to to, to save a job? You know, is there a self-interest there where he's trying to tug it and show results quicker so that he gets to stay around as a GM? That kind of concerns me a little bit. I still think the defense is going to be so brutal that this team wins like five or six games and is still in the top six or seven in the draft. Like, I still think they're going to draft reasonably high. Some people seem to be thinking this is like an eight or nine win team and, oh, man, we're going to be right in the middle. And that's not where you want to be. I still don't see that situation where we pulled ourselves up that far, you know? Yeah, my my big issue, and it it's kind of it ties into the McCaffrey stuff, is that it seems like the plan – changed over the past three months since they hired Matt Rule and not just specifically because they hired Matt Rule. It seems like sometime between the combine and today uh, that they went from, hey, everybody's on the market. Um, we could trade anybody. Everybody's available. Hey, um, you know, I, if you want Cam, if you want Christian, uh, Curtis Samuel could be had for the right price to all of a sudden to like, well, you know what? Maybe we'll retool and maybe we'll do this. And it just seems like, just like what you said, Mac, is that they're not on the same page. That that you can, when you can tell which moves come from Marty Herney and which moves come from Matt Rule and which moves come from David Tepper, that doesn't seem like a good alignment that they went out of their way to talk about how aligned they all were and how they were all on the same page. 
And I'm just concerned that when you have a muddy plan like this, it, it, you end up with a muddy with muddy results. And if the if the plan is to win six or seven games this year and then get incrementally better, that isn't what David Tepper essentially outlined at the end of the season last year. And it isn't the same thing that he outlined in um, in uh, when he fired Ron Rivera. So I, I think that it's just a different, it's just completely different that it has definitely changed. And maybe it's changed for the better. Maybe, again, maybe they saw Teddy Bridgewater is available and he was going to come in for $20 million and they said, hey, you know what, then let's make this change. But to me, it seems like they went into this idea with we're going to make these process-based decisions. And then when different options came up, they were like, well, screw the process. We're going to do this. Let's get Teddy in here. And, and – I don't know if that's going to work. It's just, it always seems better when you have a specific plan. And again, this is a zero sum game. So they could win. If they, if they go out and win, then all this is for non and they were all correct. You know, it, it, it all works. Yeah. And, and Josh, you've been all over the, the is Marty going to do stuff for, to try and secure his, secure his future. If, if Teddy Bridgewater was brought in as a guy that's familiar with Joe Brady, but that's a, that that was a Marty move and not a Brady move. Then that, then that does feel weird. That does concern me, you know, if, if, if we're doing that. Because, you know, Mac, I'm curious. We've discussed it here on the show. Like, what do you think Marty's kind of over-under on what his time left with the, with the team is? I, I mean, I know the contract runs through the end of the season. Like, I was originally thinking, the, or is he just being held there through the draft? You've seen a lot of organizations kind of do that, right? Keep the scouting and, and the personnel attack through the draft. It sounds like he's going to be there through the season, and January would be the earliest. I don't know, though. I get a feeling Tepper – well, I certainly know Tep, uh, David Tepper likes Marty Herney more than a lot of, of us fans do. But I get the feeling he likes Marty, which it's just weird to me. I just look at Marty, and I, he's, he's a class dude, a good guy. I'm not, I don't want you know, to be mean-spirited about it. But like I look at Marty, and I just look at his performance and the fact that he lost his job – for legit reasons and then he came back and I think you look at these last couple drafts and I think there's some problems with these last couple drafts and I look at it I'm just kind of like David Tepper has wanted to change everything on the business side then he said he moved over the football side and he changed the old coaching staff and I just kind of wonder like if he sticks with Marty why is Marty good enough to say like to stay what does he see in him that he didn't see in like anybody else in the whole operation. It's just, I, I, it drives me crazy, but maybe it is a change in January. And I don't think it would be Marty being fired. I get the feeling because Tepper likes him. I get the feeling it would kind of be like moving him more towards like kind of a head scouting role or something like that. But I would really like someone that has, you know, I'd like one hell of a football ops hire in January personally, you know? Yeah, I, I remember the most confusing day for me this offseason was when Tepper addressed the Matt Rule hiring. He was, he was doing his Marty impression, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, I thought this was the, the end of the era, and here we got it. We got another owner doing a, doing a Marty impression. Um, but, you know, I, I really – the Teddy Bridgewater thing it, it sticks out to me. Like, I don't think there's another Teddy Bridgewater out there. I think he's a one-of-one one in terms of starting caliber guy, had some experience, He's a plus 500 winner, you know, winning quarterback as a starter in the NFL at the right age, at the right price. And I think that's a better bet than tanking, honestly. Like if you actually did the percentage play, you know, you may end up with with two and then you don't get Trevor Lawrence. And how does that go? We know how getting the second pick can go in this city. Uh, like 
but Teddy Bridgewater is a guy that I think you can win with. And particularly if you back him up with a guy like Christian McCaffrey and then put weapons around him as they have with this offense, I think Teddy Bridgewater set up to have a, a, a stud year this year. See, I my, wor- all the Teddy stuff. my worry on Bridgewater is, is, is like, can you win? How much can you win? Is there a ceiling on your winning when you have a guy like that who's just solid? A lot of people compared to Alex Smith, and it felt like, you know, there was there a ceiling on the winning in San Francisco? Kaepernick comes in, they go to the Super Bowl in Kansas City. Was there a ceiling on how much they could win? They Like, do we need that flat-out stud baller, and do we have to find a way to try to get him at all costs in the draft next year? But to do that, though, again, because I agree with you all, it's clear that this team is not literally saying, let's go out there and be first or second in the draft order. So I kind of feel like maybe Tepper would make some bold move. But can you give up three number one picks, take those away? Like, that that's – you know what I mean? Like, but I just feel like Bridgewater, like, we could get to where we build a playoff team, but can we build a championship team with Teddy Bridgewater quarterback? That's where I, you know, worry about Teddy Bridgewater. Well, when we talk about the best quarter or best running backs not winning Super Bowls, we can also talk about the best quarterbacks most years don't win the Super Bowl either. I mean, with the exception, of course, of of Mr. Brady. But it's a lot of. I mean, Peyton Manning wasn't the, wasn't a good quarterback at the end. You know, I mean, your your old guy Joe Flacco, he got hot yeah. for a month. I mean, could Teddy Bridgewater get hot for a month? Yeah, I think you know, I think you probably could. So. Yeah, I got. I I, I I just got a. I didn't get a chance to weigh in on what I thought they were going to do in 2020. I I have said from the very beginning that I thought their intent was to be as bad as possible, and I think that some of these moves have kind of masked that. But in reality, this team, with the defense that they have and the fact that they may not get a chance to practice at all before the season starts, they may get maybe two weeks together to install this huge change on offense. Yeah, new schemes. Yeah, Completely new scheme on defense. So this innovative offensive play caller will get two weeks to put in an entirely new scheme. This innovative uh, defensive guy that uses all kinds of different – they use a lot of multiple packages. They do 3-3-5. Three, three, they got a four-man front. They got a three-man front. And you got Does that a matter complete what flip over on defense, defense this year. It got a complete flip over on defensive from a roster person, from a roster standpoint. You got a new quarterback. You got a new left tackle. You got uh, the offensive line is almost completely different than it was last year. I'm just saying. I Are you saying they're not competing for a Super Bowl? Is that what you're saying? They're not competing for a Super Bowl this year? I think they're, I still think, I, again, everybody wants to say like, oh, they're six, seven, eight win teams. Yeah. I think this is the Charlotte Hornets where they maybe they come out and they go like two and oh. Two and one to start the season. Everybody's like, well, look, here we go. I told you Teddy was going to be, and I told you Joe Brady was going to be. And then all of a sudden they've lost eight straight and they're two and nine. Like, oh, maybe they are in the mix for this top pick. I I think that. And then at that point, at that point, pull the shoot. I don't have a problem. I don't think anybody has a problem pulling the shoot at that point going, hey, would you rather lose the last four and have it get Trevor Lawrence or you want to, you want to get one more on the career record? (laughs) <laughs> get in there, Will Greer. Get in there, Will yeah. Greer. We need four L's. <laughs> By the way, I feel like we could petition the NFL to run a seven-seven-six defense this year, and we'd still give up thirty-five game. I gotta be honest. <laughs> if, if Phil Snow ran went pump block on every play, <laughs> would the would the record be markedly different? This was the worst. That's what Josh does, yeah. what Josh does against thirteen-year-olds on Matt pump block every play. Once in a while, he's struggling. 
They, this is the first run defense in the history of the NFL last year, and it's worse in 2020. And you're telling me that this, well, they're going to up. No, they're going to be terrible. I'm sorry. Like They're I, I, they the guy that knows where every run play is going. The guy know, that can tell his teammates where every run play is going to go, and he ain't here. It's like, how bad is the run defense going to be this year? Jeez. <laughs> but we have a $17 million man in the middle of the defensive line that's going to that's gonna produce more than Christian McCaffrey this year. And so one point off-ball linebacker. So we're going to be good to go. I'm just I'm, I just think that it's it's just going to be a huge transition and and I think a lot of it was masked by Teddy and I think a lot of people were like well now they're trying to win I don't know that they are so if the plan was like hey we're gonna we're gonna just kind of like push this thing forward if Teddy is Terry Rozier and we're gonna push this thing we're gonna be fun next year that's gonna be great if they're gonna score 50 points a game and give up 60 I'm in for that let's do that that's why I think that's what I'm saying. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a one of one. I think the plan was to completely tank. And then they looked and they said, wait a minute, we can get this guy at yeah. basically what we've been paying Cam for the last four years at, at, at basically the 24th price for a quarterback in the league. And we think he can be a starter caliber. And then we back him up with Christian McCaffrey. That we can focus on everything else. I think they thought they were going to need this quarterback. But now that they don't, I, I mean, I just feel like, and I'm not saying Bridgewater's the answer, but he can absolutely be a placeholder and an NFL quarterback where you can try and focus on everything else when you're trying to establish a culture in the league. And I think being able to take that variable away, specifically the, the quarterback evaluation, the time you spend in, in favor of Teddy Bridgewater, I think it's, I think it's a great move for this, for this organization. Yeah. There is an element of a feel of 2011 to me, though. Obviously, Sands Camp. Now, that's a big you know, guy to take out. But, like, isn't there an element of, okay, uh, new coach, new, new regime, and, man, we could have one hell of an offense. Remember how good that offense was? Judge Chunks and all that stuff. And the defense, though, needs a lot of work, right? they got to build up the defense. Could this be kind of the 2011? You know, they won six games that year. I know it's completely different with the quarterback, but it just feels like, hey, one side of the ball at a time, you know. But then it comes back to Marty, too. Like, he can't get by by just hitting those first-rounders, right? He's got to hammer out. Like, he's got to hit multiple defensive guys, I think, in this draft. An interior lineman in this draft has to be hit, you know, and that's – you know, that takes a leap of faith to believe he can do that, you know. And then, and hopefully if you do bring in a young quarterback in a couple of years, you're bringing him into a culture that now is more developed and more representative of what you want. And now you've kind of taken the other care of the other half. And now you're taking care of that, that quarterback side. I just think that removing the quarterback element for a first time head coach. I mean, we saw it with Cam with Cam and, and, and Ron. We had a first time quarterback and a first time head coach. And I think not having two first-year starters in that position is a good thing, just as the old adage was about, you know, you don't have a first-year driver and a first-year crew chief. I think it's the same thing with the quarterback and a head coach. Mac, you started to mention things the Panthers had to come out of the draft with. Are there any other positions that they absolutely have to come out of that draft with? I Well, obviously, all three levels of the defense. I mean, I know you can't force it. I know you can't, you know – you, you, you can't oh, you can. oh, you can. Oh, you can. Yeah, we've seen it out. Isn't it funny that the hog fight 
Dave Gettleman told us you can't reach. And then when he needed a corner to, hide, to cover his bacon on the Josh Norman thing, he reached and reached again, man. It was kind of funny. <laughs> I have to tell you, people being people being surprised that Dave Gettleman's being talked about selecting Derek Brown. Like, have you not been paying attention? <laughs> Hog <laughs> Molly. much on brand. <laughs> Hog Molly's. Um, I, so, okay, I hope they don't reach, but I do think it's a good draft to get corners and defensive tackles early, you know, uh, whether it's Brown or Kinlaw. Hell, I kind of like that second round group of defensive tackles, you know, Blacklock out of TCU, Matabique out of Texas A&M. I think there's some good, talented defense tackles there. Corners, I kind of like the first and second round corners as well. I think ideally, and I don't know how y'all feel about this, ideally you're able to trade down a bit, accumulate some more of those draft assets, maybe an extra second rounder, and still be able to get somebody that can help that defense, C.J. Henderson or Javon Kinlaw, and a trade down something like that. But there's a lot of hype now about Henderson. I don't know if it's how much truth there is, but there's a lot of hype now. Is Henderson a top ten guy? So could you trade down and still get him? But and I'd like multiple trade downs too, like the Patriots stuff throughout the draft. Let's just keep adding more picks, keep you know quantity. Let's give Marty quantity, and I hope hope they're able to do that uh, with the virtual draft. And that doesn't cut back on the trade. I, I could see Marty screaming, this damn thing ain't working, man. This thing is not working. So hopefully, you know, they can still make trades. Yeah, Matt, I, I agree with you, man. I, I think that the the guy that's looming at the top of the draft board at pick number seven is not Jeff Akuda, It's not Isaiah Simmons. It's my man, Joseph R. Trade Down, that's been sitting up there. He's been up there the whole year. And he is at the top of the list because anything that I'm trading it, I'm trading out of that pick for seventy cents on the dollar, unless it's like unless Joe Burrow slips to seven, unless unless Chase Young slips to seven, maybe you got maybe if if you're not going to get your guy, if you're not going to get Jeff Okuda, if it's not going to be maybe you you fell in love with Isaiah Simmons, okay, fine. Like if you fell in love with the guy, but if you're just drafting Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw because you need a defensive tackle. Get out of there. Get back to fifteen, and and take some and get something else, so that you can advance forward. Because you got a lot of holes to fill, not just this year, but next year and the year after. So this is a long game. So even if you think, just like we talked about, the best case scenario for these teams is what seven wins, eight wins, six wins. You don't need to draft a guy at seven that's going to contribute this year. If you can get a four, if you can get the fourteenth and a, and a third rounder. Get, do it, please. Do run, run back. Ooh. So you just said you take seventy percent on the dollar. I don't know if that's the proper way to build an NFL team. <laughs> just we want sixty percent of the best running back in the NFL, and I want seventy percent of the dollar on my draft day trades. I I want to ask you guys specifically though about Brian Burns and kind of what do you do? Do we have any kind of feel? What do you guys feel about what his future is? Because I find myself leaning towards a guy like Derek Brown almost as a continuation because I think a pick like that helps a guy like Burns be a better pick in year two. And yeah. whereas if it, without him, I worry that he's just kind of floating out there on an island. Yeah. I did. Burns last year was so frustrating with Burns. First of all, he gets the injury because he's mad because he barely tipped the punt instead of completely blocked the punt. It's like, Rook, that's not that's I throw many a fit in my day. I, I don't think that's worth kind of throwing a fit. 
But and then the way he didn't really get worked back in. I mean, I get it, man. Ron's thinking, and a future. What, what good does the future do me at that point in the season? He's probably scrambling to save his job. I still believe he's got to put on a little bit of weight. I still believe he's a guy that can be a starter in this league. I know some people think, hey, he's just a situational guy or whatever. But let's face it, the situation he's used for is in nickel packages. And this, the way the league's going, you're playing nickel packages 65 to 70% of the time. I still think he can be a big-time baller moving forward. But you ain't lying. You've got to build – you've got to boost that interior of the line and try to allow him to get more single, you know, you know, single blocking situations outside. You need to help him up front. There's no doubt about it. I, mean, I also use that as basically the tiebreaker between Brown and a Simmons because obviously Simmons brings, you know, an intriguing – uh, a package with him, but then I worry: Can you survive where three of your top four best defensive players are all under 235 pounds, and none yeah, of them are DBs? <laughs> you need some beef. Collins letting his internal gentleman out right now, baby. <laughs> Put on a hundred pounds. You need to come back beef. and talk to me later. <laughs> <laughs> if Tua falls to seven, are you taking him? I'm not. Because I, I, there's no way, and granted, I don't have my illegally uh, obtained HIPAA-violating x-rays and things like that here in the, at the homestead, but I'm not going to feel good about the hip. I'm just not. And right or wrong, I feel like I'm going to let somebody else take that swing, probably. Personally, I think that... Personally, I, I have two things to, to say about this. Uh, first of all, I think that the Panthers uh, um, have failed him from a physical standpoint because Mike Lombardi, the great Mike Lombardi was on his podcast saying that he talked to somebody with a team that he didn't want to identify that had failed to his physical. And guess who's guess whose son happens to work for the Carolina Panthers. Mike Lombardi's son works for the Carolina Panthers. So whether you want to put those two things together, I don't know, but that, that kind of seems like it. So I don't think that the Panthers would take him at seven, but I might. It's also the best trade down scenario if you if for Absolutely. your for your Jeffrey T. Tate trade down. Uh, that's what. Yeah, that's that's because I would count on the risk. Like to me, let's just see where things stand. You know, let's just let's not force that quarterback pick. I, he's a hell of a talent, but like if you put that asset there and don't help defensively, and that thing busts out just because of injury, like that that sets you back a bit and I and I, I like that if he's on the board to me it's not exciting to me because oh we can take him it's exciting because oh come on John Gruden don't you want your quarterback or whoever it is that will be tempted to trade up because then all of a sudden you don't have to worry about 70 cents on the dollar right if two is there I think you yeah. get a hell of a trade at that point yeah no you're all absolutely right. right John R trade down it's John trade down Colin all right his brother <laughs> Jeremy uh, really just fell out he busted oh. out of college <laughs> I, I was thinking, I was thinking of, his, of his cousin from the 2014 class. My apologies. <laughs> yeah, even Jeremy tra- Jeremy trade down did not live up to his draft status. So John trade down, it's going to be completely different. And to be fair, he said if they'd asked me directly about the heroin, I would have been honest. They just <laughs> didn't ask me. <laughs> it's a good point. If they don't ask, you don't have to tell them. That's entrapment, brother. <laughs> All right, one watching more. the wire. all right one more situation then let's say you do trade down back to 12 and he's still there at 12 Uh, this was the same thing Collins Collins eyes got really big 
Colin said it before, yeah, right? If, if so you... <laughs> I don't know what has happened. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> then you trade down again to somebody who wants to get up at 12 and take them. How about that? <laughs> then you the get point. your trade down. That's when it's that's when it's guaranteed that he's going to become the greatest quarterback ever. The Panthers <laughs> traded him twice. twice. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's true. And they received Sione Fua, a defensive tackle from Stanford. <laughs> that is true. We'd be pressing our luck at that point. Two yeah. trade down. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. you got to take him at twelve. <laughs> Future Bills, Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw, just drafted both of them at seven and twelve. <laughs> oh man I, I gotta tell you i don't know what the, this this one feels and i feel like maybe it's because we're all you know quarantined it doesn't feel like there's as much intel getting getting leaked as many conversations happening i this is this is gonna be a wild one i don't think anybody knows what's gonna happen this is gonna be like when Dion jordan got taken third by the dolphins and we're like just throw the throw the mock drafts in the air boys because it, it, it's it's going down no yeah, doubt. I can, I can tell you last year at this time, what are we, nine year, nine days from the draft? Last year at this time, I had five guys that the pan that I knew the Panthers were deciding between, one of which was Greg Little. And I was like, well, like that that was what people that I'd heard was that was happening. And it was like you knew kind of these were the guys that were they were thinking about, whether it was Montez Sweat and Brian Burns and uh, and little, and I don't even remember who else was on that list, but, but it's like now this year, it's like, I, I mean, I, I think I, I have a general idea, but I don't know it for a fact. I don't have a text message that tells me I'm just yeah. kind of guessing. And I think we're, we're all doing a lot of guessing. So that's why when you see a lot of these reports, somebody was saying the Panthers hadn't met with any defensive tackles and it's like, well, yeah, but like, who's telling them? Like, I, 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 these things all get report. You're just talking about so See, it's that, like they've met, they've met with defensive tackles. That's a big part of it, too. A lot of these meetings are virtual, and it feels like the information's not getting out on the meetings. Like there used to be that – it felt like in the past, those handy-dandy lists of who teams met with, you know, yep. that we could look at. And uh-huh. it was a private visit or this one was whatever. Like, you know, this one was in the fantasy suite. This one was overnight. Whatever, you know, whatever kind of visits they have. Like we would know exactly what type of visit. Now it just feels like – Oh, okay, there's this Stanley Thomas Oliver late round corner that the Panthers had a virtual, you know, yeah. Zoom meeting. Just it doesn't feel like the info's getting out. And I also, what do you guys think too, man? Because obviously with the right, you guys are all about the fans. It just feels like the combination of the quarantine and the offseason where we've said goodbye to like every Panther we've loved except CMC. It just feels like the draft hype, you know, people are so worried about life and jobs and health and it's just the draft type. I just want to sit here and scream about all these defensive players. <laughs> and I realize, oh, it's all, you know, it's only me, me and maybe Colin, you know, like I, it's like, it sucks. It's really, and I hope by next week people realize, okay, let's immerse ourselves in this, you know, and, and have fun and really enjoy it. Not to mention the unpredictability of it. Like you got guys in their basements drafting. I mean, I hope it gets zany too, you know, entertain us, man. You got America needing something. I hope we have a trade that doesn't go through because a Zoom call failed. I hope I hope we have, you know, like a Hornets draft moment where the, uh, the wrong brother is selected in the second round. I'm rooting for all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I, Mac, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I think a lot of people are either they're either like mentally checked out. I think that has a lot to do. I think a lot of people um, 
uh, are just kind of like, you know what? I, there are like other things happening and they're not using the, the, this as a distract, as the kind of distraction that it could be because you yeah. could really immerse yourself in defensive and have some real thoughts on James Lynch's um, hand placement and why it has to get better. And if they draft him before pick 122, it's a huge reach, but 123 and on great value. But like, you can do that with this draft. And I think that's why the NFL has gone forward with it. Besides being um, cruel and an unrelenting machine that refuses to admit defeat to anything. Um, I, I think that's why they're doing this is to try and be a little bit of a distraction for people. And it can be next Thursday is going to be fun. And I think the eyes of the world and sports are going to be on, on the NFL draft and Roger Goodell in his basement. It almost feels like people need a, need permission. Like when when a, when events live, like you have permission. Well, of course we've got to be into it right now because it's live. Yeah. But people don't feel like they have that permission. I think the draft, when it goes live, gives people that permission to 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 jump back in and, and hopefully get some get some time away from from all the nonsense and where they can focus on yelling at, about the Panthers selecting a punter in the fourth round. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Polardi is here to stay, you guys. I cannot take Colin Jones leaving, Cam, Luke, Kyle Love, and Polardi. No, sir. Not in my not this year. I'm just glad that they re-signed Christian McCaffrey so Graham Gano didn't have to turn the lights out. I, I like for, I didn't want him to be the last man standing. When people have been trying to get him out of town for like four or five years now, and he was going to be the last Panther remaining. <laughs> All right, who's ready for a game? Any game. Golf, soccer, <laughs> anything. Bulgarian basketball. <laughs> I'll take, I'll take a, a rousing game of hopscotch right now. What you got? Uh, this is quarantine recommendation time. Let, let's help all of our, our people get through this. Um, what shows should people be watching during this? Mm. Do you want like an old show? So I, I so one of my favorite shows, and I think it was a little bit like le, like um like kind of left behind, uh, is a show called The Leftovers. It was on HBO, and it's very like it's for right now. It'll run you through the entire gambit of emotions. If you're feeling sad, you can start crying during the first season. You'll laugh during the second season. It'll be a lot of like, what the hell's going on in the third season? And I feel like it has a pretty satisfying ending. Three seasons long, it's on HBO Go or HBO Now or whatever. Um, and you could ju you'll just power through it because it's got some good uh, – it'll hook you in. I, I like The Leftovers. That's my, that's my recommendation. And Seinfeld. I don't know if you all have watched Seinfeld. It's, it's good. <laughs> I'm terrible at this game because I am such a bad binger that like I, I you know, I watched Tiger King, which all of America did. I'm, I'm in, only in season two on Ozark. I feel like all of America frowns on me because I haven't finished Ozark yet. It's amazing. So I, I'm watching McLean kids fight and I'm watching NBA horse. I'm the idiot loser that watches all the video games they play and watches NBA horse. Like, why have I not just decided this sports stuff is not worth like I'm taking literally the scraps. I'm that guy, man. So y'all got to help me with some shows I need to watch instead of NBA Hortz. <laughs> I recently went back to see how, how, how Mike, the Michael Jordan-led Tar Heels lost in 1982 to, to NC State in the ACC tournament semifinals. I'm, there was no score on the screen. It, it was like it was like a 15-point swing in two minutes. I'm still not sure what happened. There was a lot of missed free throws. Uh, <laughs> 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> it is crazy. I was watching some. I went through and watched some. Um, uh, my buddies and I have been doing a. We're on this group chat. We do a Mount uh, different Mount Rushmore of every day, um, in order to uh, stave off depression, and alcoholism, um, to to get it to five o'clock before we can start drinking. And today's was um, uh, best player on Matt Doherty's Carolina teams, and the, and we went through and I was watching some of David Noel's dunks and it's what SD looked like. Like I couldn't even see the ball. It's crazy. Like the, the Carolina Kentucky game, they just did, they didn't have a score, no clock. The announcers just screamed. It's like, was this what sports was like years ago? I don't even remember it. (laughs) Yeah. I I have done a fair amount of, 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 of classic sports viewing. Um, but I, I recently finally got back around to finishing up White Collar, which was a USA perfect little bubblegum show. Uh, FBI, super smart art thief. You know, if you're into being smarter than everybody else, Neil Caffrey's amazing. What Panthers game should people go back and watch? How, how far yeah. back do you want to go? <laughs> do you want to see people you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's up to you. Um. A recent recent game, I still think that the, maybe the best game was the uh, rain game when they beat the beat the Saints. Yeah. Uh, Luke Keekley in his first chance as a, as a Panther to to clinch a playoff berth, a game that really meant something that you could cement um, your, your team. And and Thomas Davis plays incredible in that game, and the offense struggles, and then Cam Newton and Dominic Hickson connect at the end of the game. Matt, I'm telling you, Seattle either game. In 2015 against the Seahawks, the one on the road where we came down from double digits late with the two 80-yard drives, that was amazing. That was a, hey, we're here, and you Seahawks, you don't own us anymore moment. And then the playoff game, man, at home, 2015 season playoffs, when they put the smack down on the Seahawks and Russell Wilson in that first half, that is some of the most amazing football I've seen the Carolina Panthers play. I could, I may watch that on loop for the next five hours and turn the sound up really loud and drown out my bickering children. I think now, I do that. Now, are you allowed to have fun with that? Because that team didn't win the Super Bowl. So even though they went 15-1 and it was an incredible season and we had a wonderful time for four months, they didn't win the Super Bowl, so I'm not sure it all counts. That's you right. Know, I've been informed that was a failure, that that season yeah, yeah. was actually a failure. The running back, you guys. They paid a lot of money that running back in 2000. <laughs> if that season was a failure, what the hell is the rest of our history? Yeah, I guess yeah. what I keep bringing up. It's a really depressing thought if you take 17 and two, and I know the Super Bowl itself was a failure, but you want to call that a whole season of failure. How are we supposed to find a whole existence? Seriously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, it'd be great to be worried that you're the Patriots and you didn't get the undefeated season to cement your, your, your legacy for your dynasty. That would be wonderful. You know, if to be at that level of making an iPhone to make iPhone 11 with a perfect season, we just need, we just need the AirPods to work right now. Okay. Can we, we need that? two winning seasons in a row. How's that? Just, yeah. just two. That's Bring true. together a couple, just, you just, know, to do, just one. And then two. Doesn't have to be 2020. How about 2022 and 2023? I'll be happy. Yeah. I'm super happy. Nine and seven both years. You don't even need to go to the playoffs both years. Just nine and seven. Nine and seven wild card loss in 2022. Nine and seven missed the playoffs. Uh, in, or Yeah. Like not, uh, what? Uh, well, I guess it'll be what? Nine, eight and one. Right or nine oh, and eight? Yeah, that's right. In yeah, 2023. Nine, nine, seven, nine, seven, and one. Still nine, seven, counts. 
still yeah. counts as a winning season. And that season, that season would be better than being seven, eight, and one and going to the playoffs and winning a game because you were nine, seven, and one and you were above 500. So instantly it's a better season. That's correct. It it's depends why, on how much you're paying your running back that. Yeah. It's, yes, it's, it's, I agree. It's why Aaron Rodgers, you know, tells you about his 2014 MVP season and not the fact that he threw two of his or three of his six interceptions that season against Seattle in the playoff game, you know, because the MVP is what matters. That trophy's still on the on the shelf, baby. You know, <laughs> right we, you, you, so, well, Olivia Munn is kissing it every day. Are they dating still? Or is that a really old reference? I, I haven't. Danica Patrick. Oh, oh, the tabloid. oh, yeah. They bought the big house, right? They're not even together. They just bought a big old $25 million mansion, right? Who's Olivia Munn dating? Hang on. <laughs> while, while you figure that, I want to talk about 2015 for a second. Because in all seriousness, if you want to go back and you want to watch Panther games, and, and NFL Game Pass right now is free, so yeah. anyone can go on and watch it You're on NFL.com. It, it's cool to see the growth because, you know, in that season we had the nod against the Giants, but that was at the end of the season. And you can see in those early games that confidence – even Cam, as confident as we think of Cam being, his confidence had to get to that level through that season. And those team photos, as obnoxious as people tried to make him out to be, they started really small. It was Cam, and it was Jay Stu, and it was the running backs. And over time, it grew. To watch those things grow through the course of the 2015 season really is one of the best things you can watch as a Panther fan. And we that got really lucky that year, too, so that's fun. <laughs> that, Giants, that Giants game was a great one. I watched that on Game Pass like two weeks ago, and that nod is just, God, Woo! that's a badass moment, Woo! man. God, that's an underrated badass cam moment, no doubt. Woo! I mean, that's that's some real – no, but that's like, that's like sports badass type stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's Jack Nicholas, and I know it's a little bit different, but that's Jack Nicholas at 16 when, when the sun's on the bag on Sunday in 86 – and his son says, be good. And he goes, it is, and winks. Like, that's what we're talking about. This is yeah. where our dude was. He was at that it, level. He he knew he owned that league. Until, oh. of course, Wade Phillips and Mike Shula, and we won't speak of it, Mike Rambers, we won't speak of any of that. But, man, you're right. And, by the way, the photo. See, Colin's getting me aggravated on all the horrible Panther fan takes and, and anti-fan <laughs> takes. Uh, the photo controversy, right, about the team photos – now we're in a world where it's accepted that every defense can run down to one end of the field and act like they're taking a photo every turnover, right? Even, like even <laughs> if it's going to get overturned in 35 sure. seconds. Just in case. <laughs> Let me get this in here just in case. It's and right. we're down by 20 yeah. <laughs> at home. But I got to take a pick, get a pick, take a flick. Got to have it. <laughs> but can <laughs> Cam could not be down by a field goal and celebrate, or people are going to tell him about it. But you want to look at the scoreboard? You are down three points. Ugh. I mean, this you can go back. I mean, he got he was getting yelled at for dancing, uh, for gesticulating. Yeah. You know, uh, just sim simpler times. Simpler Those times. Were the days. Oh God. Well, the good I old days. The good old days when we just had to worry about Tennessee moms sending letters <laughs> to the editor. <laughs> Is there, are there going to be letters to the editor about Teddy B this year, or you think that's not that's probably not going to happen? <laughs> He's going to dance. He'll do the bike dance for sure, that and it's going to be awesome. That's true. <laughs> I like. I love. Nothing makes me happier than when a uh, a professional athlete has a signature celebration. Like, there's just nothing better. Like that than just you know it's coming when they have a big day, and you also have the added kind of fun of a defensive player getting to get the best of them and then doing some sort of take on that uh on play like when Dwayne Wade hit the 
hit the game-winning shot against the your beloved Bobcats, and then did the Superman right at Cam Newton's face at half court like that. I mean, that kind of stuff you do on the national level when the when the when your celebration is known throughout the world. Yeah, yeah. Another classic moment in Charlotte sports history: watching LeBron James stand in the corner while another guy hit a clutch <laughs> shot. Wow, God. <laughs> we're, we're slamming LeBron on this show now. That's I mean, why doing. not? Why not? <laughs> Everyone can catch a bow today. I had, I was reading I was reading Panther Twitter being mad about signing the best player on the team that's 24 years old to a perfectly reasonable contract. I, I'm fired up, you know. So anyone can catch one today. By the way, most impressive part of this whole podcast, and y'all rock, man. I listen to it all the time. Y'all kick ass. I love the riot. Man, you have improved this this fan base, which y'all have done for the fan base. Freaking awesome. I love it. But my favorite part of this podcast is when Colin puts his arm out. Because we can see. Y'all listen to the audio, but we can see you know, the video on Skype. Colin puts his arm out, and a beer appears in his hand. I need to know, <laughs> your four-year-old? Was it your four-year-old that handed you the beer? That would be really <laughs> impressive. <laughs> No, that was that that was the better half taking care of taking care Still of it. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, it was pretty amazing. It, it really <laughs> was. It was great. Meanwhile, Josh, Josh did not get rattled. People will not be able to figure out where it happened. No, uh, not the episode, but Josh did not get rattled. Yeah, because we were all dying laughing, and Josh was like <laughs> trying to speak, and I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Meanwhile, I'm locked up here in my son's room, man, for God's sake. It's like, man, I, there's no way I'm getting food handed to me. There's no way I'm even getting a tasty cake, a bag of chips, or cheese it, or anything passed to me up here. <laughs> no, no bathroom cookies. No, <laughs> I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, where can people find you on the internet, social medias, and whatnot if you want to be found? At, at, if I want to be found, I got nothing better to do. Tweet at me and say CMT's overpaid bum. What the hell? I'll do that tonight. At MacWFNZ on Twitter, WFNZ.com. Hit that radio.com app as well to listen when you're quarantined. We try to give you some sanity, and we still try to treat sports like it's too serious at times just so we can all get a release. Um, but I appreciate that. I'm not on Instagram because I'm not cool enough. By the way, am I weird because I do this? I will go on like Olivia Culpo's Instagram page, purely show research, but I do not have an Instagram account. T-Bone said I'm a creepy old man. Nikki, am I a creepy old man for doing that or no? I don't think you're a creepy old man. Not at all. <laughs> no, not at convincing, all. But thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, oh, I think there's a lot of people that probably do that, but not for research, quote, research purposes. Clearly research. Want to see what her and CMC are up to. Make sure he's staying healthy. That's clearly all that is. Did you see last the night? They were, they were popping yeah, bottles well, last night. I bet they were. <laughs> Uh, Josh Klein rules. That's him. He just left for some reason. Uh, Colin. All right. Well, uh, first of all, Mac is, has been wonderful to talk Panthers with you again, brother. Uh, love chopping it up with you. Um, people, people can find me at Colin CLT on Twitter. I do have one more question for Mac, uh, as, as the other parent in the, in the conversation here, where is your snacking safe space? Because if I show a snack, if I go into the kitchen and I get a snack, the pitter-patter of little feet are coming. I need a snack safe space. 
I, you know what I do? It's a snack safe time. Like after bedtime when I know they're asleep. And this is the worst thing to do, right? If you don't want to gain weight because you snack late at night, it's like, there it goes. But that's what I do. It's like when I know, like the microwave popcorn too. When I know they're asleep and they're not going to be drawn by the popcorn smell. And every now and then my kids get me and I'll be like, damn, I thought you were asleep. All right, get a ball. What the hell? <laughs> my son, my son is four years old. Can identify a little Debbie rapper from about four blocks away. <laughs> <laughs> that is a gift. <laughs> Well, you just do what the single people do and apparently put cookies in your bathroom and have bathroom cookies. (laughs) (laughs) That is what it's all about. This has been One Day Contract, part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Chris McClain, your one day contract is up. Everyone else, stay home, wash your hands, stay safe. That's right. Go watch 2013 against the (laughs) Pats.